Martin Newman here, Consumer Champion. Welcome to Consumer Focus and our podcast with our regular guests, Marie Claire, Dave, and Leila. Welcome. Hi. How are you all? Who wants to go first? <laughs> How are you doing? How are you doing? I, I, I'm feeling the Christmas overwhelm, if I'm honest. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think I. I mentioned this last time we spoke that I felt Christmas was being um, sort of rammed down everyone's throats prematurely. November, it just feels too early. Um, and so now I feel like it's been around uh, for a long time now. I'm no further forward. I feel sort of bombarded with, if you buy this now, you'll get these loyalty points. And I'm having to really think about, is that what is needed for someone or you know, am I just being hooked? Yeah, yeah. What about you, Leila, Dave? How are you feeling about everything? Yeah, I'm um, similar actually to Marie Claire. Like um, it's, it seems to have crept up a lot. And because I think work has been very um, overwhelming, obviously, you know, if you work in the creative industry, all the deadlines are Christmas. So um, that's, uh, that's one thing. And um, then obviously having all of the kind of Christmas, you know, Christmas shopping list, Christmas tree and all that stuff um, to do on top of it. It just, yeah, it does feel quite over. It feels like I need to take a week's annual leave just to, um, you know, catch up on myself. Yeah. Dave, you got a lot on at the moment? Uh, as a consumer, look, I think I've probably disappointed you because I spent um, twice the amount to get free delivery instead of paying four pounds. And I also had terrible customer service by doing a click and collect in what I'm going to say is an unnamed store. Apart from that, I think we're good. The cold weather's getting to us a little bit. Uh, there's no hot water bottle today, but there is a hot drink. So we're we're, we're making it through. Yeah, it's well, cold. I'm, I'm sure I'm, sure I'm going to bed with a hot water bottle. But there you go. Um, and I love it. I must say, I do love it. I miss the hot water bottle the rest of the year. So... It's one of the upsides for me at this time of year, how sad I am. <laughs> um, just in terms of the economy and the mood music around inflation, cost of living, prices and everything else, Leila, are you, are you feeling about stuff? Do you feel less confident, more confident, more or less the same as the last time we spoke? Any changes? Um, I'd say no great changes, only it does feel like there is... Um, I'd say I feel for some reason that there's a pressure to make Christmas really good this year and um, you know everything is getting more expensive um, you know I I was at my parents house the other day and I could see um, you know I've been around there a couple of times in the last couple of weeks and I can see my parents smart meter every time um, I go around it's gone up by like 15 pounds or something and um, that's quite sobering actually to have that um, you know kind of like on the clock almost um seeing how much um, energy you're using and how quickly it's going so yeah i think things like that do kind of um you know put a little bit of pressure on and even things like i you know i'm very very conscious of turning the lights off now not having hot water on for too long and um you know whereas i guess it wasn't really so front of mind before yeah what about you dave um i too i'm turning the lights off when they're not in use i'm uncharging uh unplugging things where they don't need to be fully charged or whatever or trying to sneak it in at work or if, if you're lucky enough to have the um usbs and the new london buses trying to take the longest route and get the biggest charge out of that um i think in terms of buying products 
I can still hold off and do that. When it comes to reflecting upon Christmas, I think all I want is good food and I'll be happy. Just nice sitting around the fire if you have one or the heat or otherwise food and then I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. And Marie Claire, what about yourself? I mean, you talked about, to some extent, I guess you're not quite quite ready for it yet, but how are you feeling about everything generally? Um, I'm definitely feeling the the sort it's quite panicky the the state of the energy crisis and what is going out of our account every month and then ringing them to say okay can you scale that back but you've got to have a conversation to get some sort of rebate back in mm -hmm. but it feels um quite aggressive when you see what's going out of your bank account for a london flat and we are being conservative i mean the tree lights are obviously on but you know it's it's everything else and it is making you think about things at a time where you know it's freezing you you've, you've got to also stay warm and um it worries me the amount of people who may be facing a harsh decision about food or heat yeah absolutely Probably. and then it feels it feels quite indulgent to then be feeling overwhelmed about christmas because you know as Dave says, it's, you know, food and warmth, really. Yeah, absolutely. Keeping it real. Um, indeed, nobody should have to make the choice, right, between, you know, between keeping warm and feeding themselves, feeding their family, without a doubt, you know, basic commodities that in this, in the Western world, certainly living in the UK, you would hope that everybody would have access to. So it's a real challenge for many people. Mm. Just looking forward to 2023, I'm, I'm curious to know how you feel. I mean, I know that's a bit of a leap uh, I, from where we are right now because you've got Christmas coming up and that's probably all-consuming, but just to get a sense of your thoughts, um, Leila, any, any, how do you see 2023 generally? Have you got a perception in your head that it's going to be the same, that it's going to be worse, that it might be a little better than 2022? Any thoughts? I think... Um... It's going to be definitely a challenge. I think my current mortgage is up. Um, my current fixed rate mortgage is up in 2023. So that's something that's playing on my mind already. Um, I think that because we have, we've come out of COVID as well, like, you know, 2022, I feel largely felt like, you know, a year where people were regrouping after COVID. Um, now 2023, it's kind of almost back to normal again, but everything's more expensive um you know it feels like everything's more difficult uh you know seeing some of the uh, you know like the decisions that come out of the recent budget announcement it's just not very um encouraging i think and you know with everything that's going to you know everything is going to be kind of prohibitively expensive for some as well you know kind of heating your home or you know choosing to eat um it's it's difficult i think it doesn't fill me with hope thinking about 2023 normally you know coming up to new year's eve you're full of the joys of spring and you know you kind of reflect on the year and you think about oh okay next year i'm going to do xyz but i kind of feel like i don't really don't really fill in the headspace to make new year's resolutions for next year i kind of just like as long as i survive and i don't go bankrupt i'll be happy <laughs> yeah well let's hope it's better than that i'll give you I'll maybe give you some of my thoughts in a minute marie claire what, what, what's your perspective uh, yeah, I, I feel really similar to Layla in the sense that it feels like we just got through to a relative sense of normality and maybe not being 
afraid to plan things. I had a couple of friends who had 50ths um, during the times where people were allowed to meet and you could book a cottage, but both families got hit with COVID. So 50ths were cancelled. People weren't getting the full refunds. So they were losing significant amounts of money. So it kind of, I think things like that made you hesitant and you were also um, just waiting for the next is there going to be another lockdown? What's what's happening to us? And now it feels like that has gone away. Suddenly it feels like it it it's scary on a different level, a, a, you know, a, a different way to, to to sort of just be cautious. And I, I understand what Layla means when she says it's, you know, just hope for the best and don't, you know, don't plan too much. That, that's how I feel. Just want to survive, yeah. Dave, anything to add to that? I, I want to give... like a silver lining or something so I'll smile when I deliver my words um look I think we need to I think it's a good time to be quite reflective of um what you are fortunate to have and tomorrow will come even if it seems like a long way away so I can't tell you what 2023 is going to look like I think just a lot of the learnings of the last few years with hopefully a bit more freedom and a little tiny little tipping bit of risk just if if you know it would be great to book an entire villa to myself (laughs) maybe invite some friends over um but yeah then you are hit with the fact that it will be more expensive you might not get your refund and um i'd imagine across the board that's probably happening with a lot of consumers wanting to take the leap but having that initial fear I mean, I think you're you're all reflective of what you know how the masses feel right now. I think I mean, you look at consumer confidence. Interestingly, the consumer confidence index, there is such a thing, is moving in the right direction, slowly but surely, very slowly. Um, but it's a few points up in November, is a few points up in October. October was a couple of points up in September. My, I'll give you my tuppence worth, right? Um, and I do tend to be a little bit glass glass half full. And the I think I probably said this before, the advantage of predicting the future is nobody can tell you at the moment whether you're going to be right or wrong, right? Um, but my instinct is, I think the second half of next year is going to be a bit more positive. I think the first half of the year is still going to be really challenging. I mean, Leila, you, you talked about, you know, the fact that your fixed rate mortgage is up and, you know you're already going to be hit by a more expensive mortgage and that will be the same for many people um, at some point, you know, no doubt next year. But, you know, interest rates are are more than likely going to start coming down in the second half of the year. Inflation is peaked, it's probably peaking now and is forecast to come down from now. So we're likely to see the cost of goods slowly but surely starting to decrease. I think the big thing for me is the war in Ukraine and my instinct on that, and it has been for a while, and again, only time will tell whether I'm right or not, is that that's going to, that's going to calm down. Um, whether there's going to be an official ceasefire or whether it's just going to dissipate to, there's, it's just not in the news anymore and there's nothing major happening, I don't really know. But my instinct is that that's going to calm down significantly in the first quarter next year. And I think that when that does that, because a lot of where we are today, not everything, but a lot of where we are today is as a result of the uncertainty that that drove in markets, the the impact that had on supply chains, the impact that had on, you know, cost of goods on energy prices and and, and so on. Um, Brexit's a whole other thing that I think is going to take 
unfortunately, some amount of time to truly unravel and, and whether we ever get to a place where there is real value in having left the EU, I'm not sure about. Uh, it wouldn't appear so at the moment, but maybe in time there will be, who knows. But I think in real terms, I think things will start to get a little bit better. And I think that when you start to hear less negativity or you hear something like the war in Ukraine coming down and you hear inflation rates coming down, all of this has a knock-on effect with consumer confidence. So I think, Dave, you made a good point when you were talking about you know, risk and, and, and maybe wanting to take a little bit more risk in terms of whether that's booking a holiday or whatever it happens to be. And I think as the mood music starts to change a little bit and become just mildly more positive, and we see that reflected in consumer confidence, you know, improving a little bit, I think that that will translate into, you know, people opening up the purse strings maybe a little bit more next year. But the positivity that I'm trying to bring uh, that I think might feed through next year, we're probably not really going to see that until the second half of the year. So I'm still thinking the first half of the year is going to be tough, but the changes in inflation going the right way, interest rates maybe reducing a bit, the war in Ukraine calming down, hopefully will settle everything down, but we probably won't see necessarily the output from that or the positivity from that coming through in terms of our change in behaviour until the second half of the year. That's my instinct. We shall see what happens. Um, I want to talk a little bit now about loyalty. Um, and of course, we always touch a bit on this on all of our conversations. And I, I just want to open it up initially and see who wants to answer the first question. But I want to ask you, what make, what do you think in your mind makes you loyal? Keen to know what would make you loyal, what does make you loyal? Who would like to offer up an opinion on that? Um. I don't know if I'm allowed to name check the store. You can name check whoever you want. <clears throat> okay. So I've always maintained John Lewis were the standard bearer for great customer service, having grown up with never knowingly undersold, and that being a very real thing. Like if my mum found something cheaper, she could come and say, oh, you know, I, I don't know if she ever did, but it was, it was there that they would always honour a discount. Um, and that you could, I mean, in John Lewis, you could take something back without a receipt for a very long time. You know, um, there was a, a sense of trust and also how they treat their staff as partners and that all filtering into Waitrose, etc. I've never really had a bad experience until I ordered something um, to be delivered to a friend. And I, I ordered that early because I just thought, look, I've seen it, order it, get it delivered. And I kept, I was getting it sent to her mum's house because she works five days a week. I kept saying, oh, has it arrived? Has it arrived? No. And that just felt a bit strange for John Lewis. And then I looked at the courier and it's uh, every. So they just had tried to deliver it once. And then there was a sign constantly on my tracking notice saying, we'll keep trying. But they hadn't tried again at all. So. I was on a chat yesterday with a real person, not a bot, with John Lewis. And I was saying, look, this has now been a month. I, to be fair, haven't been chasing and chasing it, but what's happened? And she sort of came back and said, oh, we can see that, um, you know, it just got lost. So do you want a refund or do you want us to re-deliver? And it didn't feel like the John Lewis customer service experience. And it felt like, obviously, they've been let down by their courier. <clears throat> but it just didn't feel like there was anything 
And eventually it was, well, we can give you a £10 e-gift card, which is nice. I don't really know what I wanted them to do, but it felt like I'd never, I would never normally not be able to rely on them. Yeah. And you said it was every that was the courier, was it? Yes. Interesting choice on their part. Um, I, all, you need to go, all you need to do is go and uh, search on Twitter for what people are saying about couriers mm. to get some feedback on uh, how they're performing at the moment. Of course, that's not across the board, but I think they've got some challenges. Mm. It's really interesting. And I wonder, I wonder how much of that comes down to, I mean, they could have outsourced that. It could be, who knows? It could be any number of reasons why you feel that that's changing. It could be literally down to the fact that, of course, their model is a partnership model and everybody that works in the business has, in theory, a stake in the business and gets some reward at the end of the year. But unfortunately, at the moment, they're not getting that reward because the business is, is, is unprofitable. And I wonder whether that's now feeding through to changes in service and how you know customers are being served in the first place. It'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. But what you're saying essentially is great service uh, along with their never knowingly undersold price proposition made you and your mother really loyal customers for as long as you can remember. Yeah, and I I, I feel like I've, and that's been all my life really from being a kid. Yeah. And now I just think, oh, is it changing? And it will be really disappointing if that, if that goes. Yeah, interesting. Leila, what about you? What makes you loyal and, and um, any examples you could share? Um, so I think that their brands kind of, in order to kind of make you loyal, I guess they have to first prove themselves by, um, you know, being reliable and being consistent. I mean, to marry Claire's point about every, I could reel off a whole list of horror stories about them, you know, and they have genuinely stopped me from using a brand and it's not necessarily the brands at fault at this point. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, in terms of um, delivery, um, if you're ordering online, for example, I think keeping in touch with you every step of the way is is really, really key. Um, you know, so no matter what they're doing, I, you know, obviously I don't like being spammed by loads of emails, but I do like getting lots of emails to say, oh, your order's in the, it's in the warehouse now, it's being packed, it's being shipped. And I'm like, okay, that's great. I know what's happening. I know when I can expect it. If they text you, then great. Um, I think uh, there it kind of there is a tipping point between those kind of that email comms being from going into kind of helpful to overkill, you know, when you feel like you're just being spammed. And um, I think that that does actually is quite a, a sort of puts you off a little bit. Um, I think when the you know like so there's the consistency point, and I think also kind of giving you content around that, you know, if it is by email, for example, like I have. Um, uh, I started recently as well. I tried out a coffee company called Exhale Coffee, and they're this kind of new startup. And um, you know, it's it's quite expensive, but it's it's um, supposed to be really good coffee. I actually didn't like the coffee, but I I kept on their email list because they um, their emails are very um, interesting, and they have a lot of like they kind of every week they'll give you content, but it's health related, and it's kind of um, you know it's it's not necessarily it's selling you, but it's kind of it's that the, the higher proportion of of it is geared towards actually educating you and kind of giving you good content. So I think that's important as well if they if they have that kind of content campaign around it, but um, it has to be relevant to you. Yeah, so certainly delivering the basics um, and, and consistency, you know, in service and treatment and customer experience are the, the core the core drivers. And then when they communicate, 
communicating on a more personal level, more personalized level, more relevant, and not just pushing stuff all the time. I call that the move from push to pull marketing. So taking people on the journey, building a relationship. Dave, what about you? Yeah, I've been thinking about this one um, and I've been thinking of maybe I've devised two kinds of loyalty. This is just lying around, so please don't judge me. And for those that are listening and not watching, I've got a <laughs> Nando's Peri Peri Lemon and Herb sachet of hot sauce. And I've even though I'm vegetarian now, I've always had like a loyalty to it because I think what they managed to successfully do is put this entire culture behind, you know, go and have the hottest chicken, go do it with your mates, see who could bet against each other. And then I don't know whether they came up with it or the community came up with it, but the phrase cheeky Nando's has become like part of the vernacular across the yeah. UK, which confuses Americans. Um, but yeah, I think that experience of hot food, being with friends, socializing music, and um, that experience, I guess, made me loyal until I became a vegetarian and stopped eating chicken. Um, and then the second one would be like the forced loyalty because, you know, um, I'm still really disappointed that I need to always have a key fob on me when I go to Tesco in order to get um, club card points, which are for my mum, very generous. But I need that to get the lower prices. And I feel that's quite a forced loyalty scheme. Is is If it's a club card, it's not the kind of club that I'd, want to go and hang around in and I guess actually you know what let me add a third one is um because I've given you the the big the big companies those that are on the stock exchange and stuff locally I think it's loyalty is when you're very interested in a product mine being craft beer um or Belgian to be more specific and the guys behind the bar remembering me and asking my name and remembering my name and remembering the story of when I first came in what I was wearing or what music was playing or what choice I made and other suggestions like that and that has kept me going back to um, my local place more so than I would ever go to a Weatherspoons, <laughs> um, but also go to a Fuller's That's or a that is a really, really interesting point, the last point. And yeah. I'll explain why, because I, I think that one of the things that the bigger brands that you've mentioned, or in general, bigger bigger businesses, as they've grown and they've opened up more and more stores, more and more points of sale throughout the United Kingdom, be that retailers, be that food, uh, restaurants, whatever it happens to be, what a lot of them have lost in my opinion, is they've lost all that, they've lost that local touch because as they built these head offices, they've given all the control and the power to people sitting centrally somewhere about all the decisions about the experience you would get when you go in. So let's imagine that that craft Belgian craft brewery bar or, or retailer that you go to, let's imagine they became a big monolithic high street brand across the UK. I'll bet you anything you want They'll set up a head office somewhere and that head office will determine what the product should be across all of the branches and it will be homogenous. It will be the same no matter where you go. Uh, the people that work in there won't be encouraged or empowered to deliver the level of service and experience that you're really looking for and therefore you won't get the experience you just described. It's that really nice personal experience you get with an independent brand. And if you look at even a business like Timson, where you get, you know, you get your keys cut, your shoes rehealed, you know, 
every person that works in that branch, whether they've been there for a day, a month, a week, or 10 years, they're all empowered to make decisions for customers, such as discounting, setting up new promotions, maybe because somebody in some competitive brand is doing something or giving um, a rebate, not a rebate, compensation to a customer if, if something has been damaged. And I think we've really lost that, that idea of local empowerment and how that can really drive, you know, the experience for consumers in a more local area. Leila, uh, Marie Claire, is that something you identify with as well as a thought or an experience or you think it could be an opportunity? Yeah, I remember you saying about Timpson and the empowerment um, yeah. that they have. And I, I always used to see that more with Pret before um, COVID. There was always somebody getting a free coffee and it felt so feel good that, pe that, that the staff were empowered to make someone's day a bit better because anything for free is a bit, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen, you know, they've given um, gingerbread biscuits and stuff to my daughter when she was in the buggy. You know, it's it's a nice feel good thing. Um, and also that that was my experience when I was on the chat with John Lewis saying, look, this was a significant gift I was giving to somebody who's been through a hard time and it's not arrived. And I just feel like what you're saying to me is just we're really sorry we didn't deliver on the customer experience and it felt really cut and paste and she was that's all I can do she wasn't empowered to and that doesn't feel very John Lewis she wasn't no, empowered no. to do anything no. and I I feel um where I live in Bermondsey we're, we're close to Bermondsey Street which is is far from having any kind of chain stuff um, and I really do feel there's a community feeling that people do get to know you, um, like Dave says, with the craft beer places and things. And people are interested in you as the person and your family. And that lack of empowerment that you just described, I mean, I can't obviously talk for John Lewis, so I don't know that, that this is necessarily their strategy. But my instinct is that that is because there's too much focus on the cost to serve. Because when we focus on the cost to serve, we make decisions like, you know what? You know, we want to empathize with Marie Claire when somebody contacts customer service, let's be really empathetic. But in reality, we're not really there to solve a problem. We're not really there to resolve something. Um, and what we should be doing is we should be focusing on that and we should be doing all we can because that's what brings you back. So when I talk, you know, what I'm trying to, trying to understand and what I feel I have a an idea of, and I'm hoping, you know, I want to surface on this conversation is kind of what does it take to turn you into a fan? Because that sort of behavior does the opposite, right? You're never going to become a fan of a brand that doesn't want to resolve a problem and it just makes you go away, either because somebody isn't empowered to actually resolve that issue in the first place, or because, as I say, my instinct is maybe there's too much focus on the cost to serve and we're there to empathize, but we're not really there to resolve things. Leila, are you a fan of a brand? Do you have any brands that you're really a fan of that you buy from, you engage with, and, and if so, why? Um, I wouldn't say necessarily a fan, but um, I guess to the, to the kind of question we were looking at just now, um, I had a recent ex um, good experience with ClassPass and that they're a kind of fitness app um, where you can kind of pay a monthly subscription and you get a, a number of credits that you can put towards different you know, classes, different studios. 
um, you know, there it's kind of one of those use it or lose it things. So if, if the month rolls over and you haven't used any credits, then you lose them and then you, you know, you pay for the next lot. But because um, I happen to have had a close family member unwell in hospital for the last couple of weeks. Um, and Enjoy that's that. meant that, um, thank you. Yeah. And it's, it's, that's kind of meant that I haven't really been able to, you know, I booked a bunch of classes. Um, everything was a bit of a blur. So I sort of missed a couple of them and you get charged if you don't show up, you know, it's 15 pounds a time if you don't show up to a class. And, you know, and that that's a lot of money and adds up over the yeah. month. So I was just thinking, oh my God, you know, like completely been out of the loop. I just hadn't realized I'd missed these classes. Anyway, yeah. so I kind of, I, I told the, you know, I sort of um, engaged with their customer service and uh, by email and sort of explained the situation thinking, oh God, they're going to think this is a sob story. But actually they were really nice about it. You know, they sent me a really nice email back that said, oh, we put all the credits back onto your account. We've, um, we've refunded those extra, um, you know, that those extra charges that you've got and we hope everything's okay. And I think actually, you know, where I was, where I was kind of considering or oh, actually I might have to sort of you know disengage with this brand because I don't know if I can keep up with these um classes you know yeah. like I've kind of they I found them really helpful and I think that actually knowing that a brand is kind of supporting you when you might not be able to kind of like you know fulfill your end of the bargain as it were then that's a, a really nice kind of touch and as such I'm staying with them and just out of curiosity in addition to the fact that you're staying with them outside of this podcast right now have you told anybody else about what they how they treated you? Uh no, I haven't. I haven't like shouted about it. Right. No, I'm just curious mm. because in my mind that's the sort of thing that would drive potentially positive advocacy. You know, you might be around the water cooler at work, you might be out with friends or whatever, and you might have told them the story, you know, it'd be yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely um, I think if, if the opportunity arose, I definitely would. I think that, um, you know, actually it's important to um, kind of shout about brands that are doing it well, because they're actually kind of this. They're quite few and far between. So it still feels like a bit of a surprise and delight moment if you have a brand that kind of reacts like that, um, you know, just going by, you know, like I, I kind of have like a list of things on my life admin to do list and a lot of yeah. them involve complaining to companies or you know getting my money arguing to get my money back for something or do you know what I mean it's kind of yeah. um you know it's nice to just for it to just be easy absolutely Dave I mean it sounded like you were um a bit of a fan of Nando's even although you've uh, you've gone vegetarian right so it maybe doesn't have the same allure as it did previously just out of curiosity um have you ever been more loyal to one grocer over another and if so why would that be if you have been and if not don't worry yeah um i've definitely lost the aura around nando nando's finding out that um what is it they just use mccain oven chips <laughs> so it's become a glorified chicken shop so it's definitely lost its aurora but the spices are still great and I still stockpile them. Um, right. Have I been more loyal to one retail? Uh, sorry, supermarket or retailer? Grocer, grocer, supermarket. Grocer. Supermarket, yeah. Um, have I been more loyal to one grocer than another? Once again, I think it comes back to the forced loyalty um, of needing to go. If you're going to, if you know, if you've got your list and you know what you're going to go get, and you know one bulk buy is going to be more expensive than the other, then I'm sway to go there. And I don't, you know, depending on what range they got, I don't know if I'm going to get a better product, but I am going to get a cheaper price. So it feels quite forced. I mean, the reason I go to Waitrose is obviously the amazing customer service, the brilliant range and, you know, focus on British food. But also it's just as I come out of the train station on the way home 
and that's more why I go there than going a bit further out of town to a, yeah. so to a large Tesco. A big driver for you on that front. It is, and I try and get the best experience in all of them. But um, yeah, I, I don't collect the points for myself. I'd use the club cards for discounts, but um, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's, a, it's a necessary evil. I, I don't think I'm loyal to one over the other personally. No. Now that you ask me about it, <laughs> Manny Claire, what about you? Any loyalty um, to any of the supermarkets? Yes, I would say Sainsbury's Nectar campaign at this time of year has been. A big driver right. because not only do they reward you on your previous choices of what you've what you regularly pick whether that is a sandwich bottle of wine watermelon um but also they had a nectar campaign on the app saying this is a driver to get if you go this many times in november which i'm just going to the sainsbury's local convenience store not a big shop um Every time you go, we'll give you a bonus. Once you get to 300, you get another 100 nectar points. And suddenly it seemed to be cycling through all these additional bonuses. Mm. So it felt like, and then you come out of the store and then it's almost like a scratch card to see if you've won. Oh, you've won another 15 extra points. So I felt like I could not go. It really was rewarding me. And how are you leveraging the, the points? What are you doing with the points, basically? I'm storing them up to then take them off a shop, which seems like, okay, well, this week it's been a significant saving. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Leila, um, talking about fashion now, um, curious to know, are there any fashion brands in particular that you're quite loyal to? And if so, why? Um, so I quite like um, Arquette and, and other stories. And I think that there's a little bit of a kind of, um, you know, they have a bit of a sort of sustainability edge to them now. Like I'm, you know, kind of veering away as much as I can from fast fashion, I think as a, um, you know, as a concept, it, it feels almost a little bit, um, you know, outdated, I guess. Um, now, you know, kind of thought of buying something, you know, that you're going to wear once and then throw away so it's kind of um yeah I quite uh, and you know Patagonia is an obvious one as well like I have quite a few things with them and I, I really like that they um you know you could buy kind of used um you know a pre-worn um clothes from them as well um I think that their message is really positive so I'm always happy to give my money to to brands like that um I think anybody with kind of you know from a sustainability point of view um is kind of good enough Myers I think in we we only use suppliers at work who um you know for, for example for merchandise like you know t-shirts and things like that will only use sustainable suppliers um i think that uh you know there are i guess a growing contingent of people who kind of think in the same way um actually you know if something is slightly more expensive but it's sustainable you're more likely to think about um the, the cost a little bit more i mean, sorry but think about the the kind of you know the value of it a little bit more yeah so sustainability and the brand's authenticity when it comes to that is 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 definitely in itself something that could make you make you loyal. Just an example there with Patagonia. Um, I mean, it sounds to me as if you've got a bit of an emotional connection to some extent with them as a brand. Is that fair or? Yeah, I guess, I guess, um, you know, I mean, they've been in the press quite a bit lately anyway, um, you know, with their, their messaging. But I do, I do really think that um, it, I guess as a as a kind of lone consumer or a lone kind of human by yourself, you know, you think, well, actually, I can make sustainable choices, but 
how much difference can I really make? Um, you know, just just little old me by myself. But actually, if you've got a big company um, who kind of shares those values and is, you know, using a kind of their collective force to, to do good and to influence others as well. So I think, you know, the kind of um, like the press campaigns and all of the kind of publicity that they do around it, you know, it's kind of that it's kind of helping to create a kind of ethos that's seeping through to, to other brands as well. So I think, you know, um, in time, hopefully, it's it's a brand that's leading by example, I would say. So um, yeah. it's only going to have a positive effect on other people as they see how customers respond. Absolutely. Well, I think, interestingly, the way you describe them, you know, when I, if, we, if I went back and asked you the question again about are there any brands that you're a fan of, think you would probably say that you were a fan of Patagonia you know and, yeah. and I guess I guess that's where I'm going you know my 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 belief is that it's not the you don't the starting point is not trying to turn a customer into a fan but I believe there's a very big difference between how we feel as consumers about a brand that does treat us well that does look after the environment that does have good purpose that has got good values that is authentic delivers good service, is consistent, and so on and so forth, looks after its own people, never mind its customers, you know, that all of the above actually starts to, to change how we feel emotionally about a brand and about a business, um, which I think can actually start to, you know, <clears throat> transition us from being customers to being a fan, basically. And of course, when you are a fan, whether you think of yourself as a fan or not, but when you are a fan and you have got some emotional connection and attachment to the brand, you tend to think of that brand before others. You know, they, they tend to be top of mind when you're making decisions about, you know, what you want to eat, where you want to go, who you want to buy, what you want to buy. So I think that for me, these, these elements um, are the things that become the core drivers of loyalty and that a points program can certainly have an effect and it's certainly having an effect with Marie Claire and the decisions you're making within, you know, within, and I think it's completely fair, you know, within the grocery sector, within supermarkets. But I think there's more than that. And I think that if you can do all of those other things really well, you can drive loyalty on its own without a points-based program. Whereas a points-based program on its own is less likely to be effective unless you're doing some of those other things, if not all of those other things, you know, well, well as well and proving that you're a truly customer centric business can, uh, can i go back as please. well to add that i didn't realize till quite recently that co-op have a really good loyalty scheme where they actually give back to a nominated local community yeah so you can give your points to them and is that and then that that that's bringing you into the co-op yes definitely yeah okay well it's a great example right and i think i mean waitress did that for many, many years. I don't know if they still do, but I know they did, where you used to get your little green counters and you'd put them in the community initiative or charity that you wanted to support. So there's definitely there's definitely something in that for sure. Um, listen, I really enjoyed this as always. Um, you know, I'm sorry to hear that you're all still generally feeling feeling the, the toughness of the environment that we're in at the moment, but I wish you and your families a very healthy, happy Christmas and my belief that 2023 is going to be a better year, albeit we probably won't necessarily really feel that 
until the second half of the year. But I think it's going to be a better year. That's my instinct. So we shall see what happens. Um, thank you, Marie Claire. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Leila, for sharing your thoughts as always. Hopefully the brands that listen to this today learn a little bit more about what it takes to be uh, not only customer centric, but how you can drive loyalty. Not just, you know, not just with a points based program, but over and above that. Um, and that you get a sense of how a consumer panel are feeling about things. And I look forward to touching base with you again in January and seeing how you feel about the world at that point as well. This has been Martin Newman. Thank you again for joining Consumer Focus and look forward to seeing you all uh, after Christmas. Have a good Christmas, have a good new year. See you in January. Thank you very much.